Hello and welcome to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 87. As always, this podcast is sponsored by our awesome sponsors, GatheringMagic.com and CoolStuffInc.com, who have partners with, partnered with us to create an awesome collaboration. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more, a sweet 25% buy list bonus, Gathering Magic and CoolStuffInc.com are those one-stop shops for your Magic the Gathering needs. Also, with the new Wizards of the Coast policy, this cast is not affiliated with Wizards of the Coast or Magic the Gathering products in any way. We figured we'd get that disclaimer out of the way with their change to the new media guidelines. Anyway, with all the fun paperwork out of the way, guys, I'm Jeremy. I'm back on this cast this week. I am joined, of course, with Travis Allen of MTG Price, MTG Fast Finance, Jim Casali of Modern Nexus and QuietSpeculation.com, and Edward Wynn of Kerwan's Game Shop. And uh, we figured we'd get some uh, stuff in your ears since I've been extremely sick for like two weeks straight. How's everyone doing? I was better before you stumbled through that intro and like murdered everything. Thanks. Travis? Uh, I'm just fine, thank you. And Ed. Peachy as always. Ed's got a dapper new haircut. Yeah. Ed was in a uh, hairy situation, but after a close shave, he escaped uncut, I guess. Um, we have a lot of stuff to talk You're about this so week. so bad at this. <laughs> like, you could easily set up the three-part one, and you just, no, just not even going to bother to finish this. Nope. Uh, <clears throat> little rusty after a couple weeks of just being absolutely devastated. I got sick at GP Toronto. I was dying in GP Lyon, and then I was a little better at GP Memphis. Uh, finally recovering. I can finally speak. Uh, thanks, Ed, for giving me the plague. I appreciate it. Um... We have some stuff to talk about, and first, I'm assuming you guys already talked about Jace the Mind Sculptor and all the modern unbannings last week, but we got a new product this week, and that's uh, M25 is finally starting to see some cards spoiled. Anyone want to talk about which cards got spoiled and where we see these prices heading? No. Thank you, Travis. You are happy as always. Ed, take it away. Uh... And turn off your music, for God's sake. (laughs) I appreciate that. It's background atmosphere. We'll get stuff, too. We'll, we won't be able to monetize on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, the biggest thing is we've slowly started to see the mythics, which are kind of the... Uh, I think that's a bit that people want to see first, uh, mainly because they have the biggest sway over prices for a new set. I think we're up to what? Five spoiled now. Jace, Chalice, Prosh, Gisela, Fraction Obliterator. And Imperial right. Recruiter. Imperial Recruiter. So that puts us up and to Acroma. six. And a Chroma. So seven. So assuming we follow normal distribution for most sets, we're at seven out of 15 Mythics. Uh, we have no white one. We have no green one. We have no lands yet. So we can kind of extrapolate from there what, what's left. There's obviously plenty of cards that people would love to see. But um, based on what we have so far, I thought it was kind of interesting that Chalice came in at a Mythic. Um, I was a little surprised to see like two commander S cards and a Chroma and... Um, Prosh. And Prosh come in at Mythic as well. Other than that, nothing I'm too uh, intrigued by. 
Uh, I think one of the more interesting ones that we talked about a little bit earlier was the reprinting of Imperial Recruiter. Jeremy seems to think that it'll tank into Oblivion. I think it'll actually hold its value decently well. Can I give a, a argument for why I think it's going to tank? Yeah, that was kind of what I was going to say, May. Sure. Go ahead. So when the Judge promo came out, uh, it added to the supply, and the card momentarily, you can look back on historical prices, went down to $75 for a couple of months before rebounding. Um, this shows that even a limited Judge card is just enough to tank the uh, the price substantially. So the fact that there's going to be a ton of these opened and traded away is going to only further the price drop on this card. Another thing, if you guys play Legacy, you'll notice that since his Divining Top was banned, which means Red White Painter, which is the deck that would normally play this, is no longer able to be a, a tier one deck like it used to. The final thing is that Recruiter of the Guard is strictly a better card. And in decks like Aluren, they're going to be playing Recruiter of the Guard over Imperial Recruiter because it searches for three rather than two. And that's very important in Legacy. So you can get things like Flicker Wisp with Recruiter of the Guard that you can't get with Imperial Recruiter if you're playing the red-white Death and Taxes deck that's gaining popularity. So I expect Imperial Recruiter to go down to $30 to $40 very quickly, simply based off the Judge promo tanking the price the first time, there being a better card for most decks that want to play this, and the main deck that used to play this having a key component of that deck in Legacy Band. Yeah, so shove it, Ed. So I just want to correct Jeremy before we get nasty comments on our YouTube page or whatever. Uh, it, Recruiter of the Guard does not search for things that have three power. It searches for things that have two toughness instead of two power. That's what I just said. No, oh, Recruiter of the Guard. Sorry. Recruiter yeah. of the Guard searches yeah. for toughness. Mm -hmm. Imperial Recruiter searches for power, so they can get different things. Yes, but most of the pieces you're fetching, you can't get Flicker Wisp with Imperial Recruiter, and the deck that plays it is no longer a thing because of the top ban. Right, I agree with you. I, I agree that you can get Flicker Wisp, but I'm just saying the reason why you can get Flicker Wisp is not the reason that you said. Okay, yeah. Sorry. My bad. Uh, Ed, what are your thoughts on the price of Imperial Recruiter? So my rebuttal to that would be the formats that recruiter or imperial recruiter are best in weren't really existent in 2013 i think is when it came out um i want i want to say like there's a lot of people in playing edh decks who are probably egging to get their hand on it it's a perfectly serviceable cube card those were less prevalent in 2013 than they are now and i think just the demand alone just how many people who have been was holding out for the Imperial Recruiter reprint. I think like this is their time. I think the demand is just gonna, gonna keep the price propped up. Like it probably hurts the most if you're holding on to original English copies from Portal Three Kingdoms. But now you can get there's a new cheaper English variant, uh, which is the one that's directly going to hurt uh, the original Portal Three Kingdoms printing. But now you can also get foil uh, that doesn't have like the weird like judge uh dci star on it um so i think those are the reasons why it'll keep it up and i think it has to be i think it'll be one of the more sought after mythics that'll kind of keep the price of the set propped up as well like we've already seen a few of the busts like frexian obliterator that, that's the type of card that will just crater in price it wouldn't surprise me if we see it in single digits 
like probably within a month or so. It doesn't really have a home in modern. It doesn't really, it's not really like an EDH type card unless you have a very specific deck. Um, so having like Chalice, Imperial Recruiter, and Jace to kind of keep the uh, the EV of the setup is is probably like more in line with what Wizards is wanting as opposed to Iconic where you had basically Mandrain and then everything else just literally just fell out from there. So, so expect the price of Phyrexian Obliterator to become obliterated into the floor. I feel like I land somewhere in between you two. Because, like, <clears throat> Jeremy raises some good points. Like, the decks are less useful in um, in Legacy. Like, the card is in, in demand in Legacy type of thing. Uh, so that would definitely go a long way towards pulling the price down. Uh, but I also agree with Ed that, like, for my, I, don't own a, I don't own a Judge Recruiter. I've never wanted to own an Imperial Recruiter. Um, <clears throat> or rather, it's never been on my radar as a card to pick up because... The price has just always been so silly that it's not even worth considering. Uh, if Imperial Recruiter were fifteen or twenty bucks, I would grab one. Like then, it's worth it to put it in prob- to have a copy to put in my decks. So there might be an entire demand of demand, an entire band of demand that you're not re- that's kind of invisible because nobody has cared about the nobody has cared about the card at the price. But as the price comes down, they start to care. It's sort of like how when they talk about U.S. unemployment numbers, they don't include people that aren't looking for jobs at all. Uh, in that number. And then as those people enter the workforce, the unemployment rate can go up, uh, even though more people are working because you have more people interested in jobs who weren't even trying before. Uh, so I can see it balancing. I will say, I don't think I agree with Ed because I I think that the English Portal Three, K- Three Kings version, Three Kingdoms version will be the least impacted because the people who want the English P3K are collectors. Right, like the judge one seems like the one that would take the hit because that was the cheaper copy that you got if you just needed the card to play with. Now, what's the market for the for the judge copy? It's not collectors; they want the the P3K copies, and it's not the people who want the cheapest copies. Those are good people who are going to grab, you know, non foil or maybe even foil M25 copies. So the judge one seems to be the one that takes the biggest hit. The consensus from the art group as well is that the art on this card is significantly improved from the original one. I do like the iconic original artwork, but I agree with Travis that the P3K one's going to hold up better than the Judge promo. Jim? So I feel like the most analogous card to this one is Managering. Uh, it's a card that like doesn't, it's obviously banned in Legacy, so it doesn't see any play there. Imperial Recruiter is you know far and few between, um, but it's still the kind of card that can appeal to the EDH crowd. And managerings are like sixty-five dollars or something like that now. I'm I don't remember exactly what they were beforehand, Close but that's enough. a pretty they're, they're, that's a pretty significant price shot from where it started. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they get down to like half their current price. I'm not sure that they're going to be like fifteen or twenty dollars. They're not going to take like the same cratering that like Berserk did. But I think that there's there's definitely a price point. There's definitely a push point where it becomes. They're so low that they start to go up because people buy them. Like, I have a bunch of EDH decks, and I have a recruiter in the guard in one of them that's also, it also plays red. And I would love to have an Imperial recruiter because it finds most of the same things, but it's too expensive. It's like $120. I'm not going to spend $120 on like a card that's like I could buy for 12 like even though it has a second copy. But at 15 like Travis said, I'd probably buy one. Even at $20, I'd probably still buy one. At 30 I probably won't, but you know, everyone's different. You could also look at, uh, oh, it's not Imperial Recruiter. Um, what's the one that was in CMA? 
Commander's mm-hmm. Arsenal? Yeah. Uh, loyal Retainers. Yeah. <laughs> what, did, what did that go from? Like 250 to 12? <laughs> I don't think the I don't think there, it's a perfect analogy, but uh, it was pretty savage. 30, I want to say, and then we had the Invocation reprint, but that's probably a good one to compare it to. I mean, you could also look at, this is also something <clears> where if they spoil Imperial Seal on this set as a Black Mythic, like we could probably see the same effect happen as what's going to happen to Imperial Recruiter. I, I didn't think that they would put Imperial Recruiter in this set, and they did, but I would be shocked if they put uh, Imperial Seal in here. I I would also be really shocked, but I feel like if they're going to pick a Black Mythic, it's going to be Demonic Tutor. It seems yeah. like it's just been too long since they've reprinted Please. that card. That card sells so well. Yeah. Like, I know, and that's like the kind of card you could put at Mythic and it isn't going to go down. Great point. Moving on, on stuff that we know is confirmed to be printed in this, we have Chalice of the Void at Mythic. Uh, rest in peace to the Modern Masters 1 boxes I bought off Travis. It was reprinted as a rare again, which doesn't really say much because the print run was so small on the original Modern Masters 1. Uh, we're, seeing it at, we're seeing it at Mythic now, which is definitely going to help stabilize it. I think this is going to be a $25 to $30 card at its lowest in a couple of months, and that's when I would recommend picking those back up. Ed, what do you feel about the demand for this card since you guys see exactly how many of them sell? Do you think that a, a plateau from 80 to 30, 25 to $30 is likely, or do you think it's going to stick around like 40 or so? I don't think this price is going to budge at all. Um, if anything, I think we actually might see the price like surge very quickly. Being a mythic, it makes it pretty hard. Excuse me. It makes it pretty hard to, uh, to really put like a dent in the overall supply compared to what the demand out there is, especially since every deck that plays Chalice of Void plays it as a four of like, um, like Heldrazi Tron, the various like all in red decks, which are kind of narrow. In Legacy, you have like the like the red decks, Eldrazi, etc. And Vintage is restricted, but it just feels like the decks that want this as a four of a lot of people have been waiting for us to go down, and now that's a mythic. It's not really going to help that. It's not really going to put the same amount of supply in the market that people normally expect. And you have a lot of people, if they're going to start opening stuff and they open one or two, they don't really have a choice except to go out there and buy the other one or two that they're going to need. Um, I think that's enough to keep it up. Like, honestly, if this dropped below 60, I would just, I would be very, very surprised. I have a similar opinion to Ed. I don't think I think that you just need too many of them. It's like a Tarmogoyf kind of thing where you just you don't play just one or two of them. Um, it's been pretty popular in modern, so I can't imagine it goes down very much. This is going to be one of the mythics that people are like actively seeking to get. And actually, there's a good point where it's like Ether Vial. If you open one, you want three more. You don't want to sell the one to help recoup the cost. Travis, what do you think? Um, I think part of it depends on what you think is going to happen with Imperial Recruiter. If you think Imperial Recruiter is going to hold its price really well and there's enough demand, then you can't have all the cards in the box be valuable and also have it like a high print run, high quantity print run. Um, So the the numbers just don't work, right? Like box price can't be low and card prices can't be high. You get one or the other. So if Imperial Recruiter can hold its price and the other cards are really sticky, then that pushes Chalice down. If Imperial Recruiter takes a beating, that gives the other cards in the set a lot more room to hold up. 
Uh, and I think Chal, and I don't know whether Chalice's demand will impact Imperial Recruiter or if Imperial Recruiter's price will impact Chalice. Uh, and I don't think that's anything anyone will ever know um, how that relationship works, but I think they're they're related. Keep in mind too that this is not a premium product, which means all of your large stores, you know, your targets and your Walmarts can have this as far as we know. And I would bet that if you're looking at unstable print runs versus master 25 print runs, Wizards is going to be more likely to dole out less unstable and make people want more than they are with Masters 25. I think they'll let everyone who wants Masters 25 have it, which is also going to be a component of that. Of course, you have the fact that everyone runs Chalice as a four of, which helps considerably, you know, as well. Uh, it's, so you're not going to see the price at six dollars. Um, but uh, realistically, I could see scenarios under which the card drops to 15. And I can also see scenarios where the card's price drops 20%. Good point. And then just to gloss over some of the other stuff that's been spoiled, we got hit with Gisela again, which makes no sense. This just got reprinted in from the Vault Angels. This like this, I think it took up a spot that re- didn't really need to be taken up. Same with Prosh. It was like a dollar card. You could have put like send triplets or something in here that would actually like re- use your reprint equity. I guess they're doing something to play around with draft. I'm not quite sure on that. So, uh, so Prosh is yeah. definitely because it's a first time foil. Uh, this was from a commander set that didn't have the foil commanders. Right. But they could have done this as a judge promo. Like they've done yeah, with so many other like, commanders. How many judge promos do you want them to do as commanders? Like they're obviously pretty unhappy every time that they get a Nekasaro or an Aloro. Yeah, but you can't have every judge promo be good. You, Correct. And, you have some bad ones, but like you can't have them all, all be that bad either. Which so Jeremy's comment is really good because that is a perfect segue into this nonsense that was on Reddit today, where apparently people think that every mythic in this box is going to be worth seventy dollars. Like you have to have bad mythics. Look at every master set we've seen before. There's always a comet storm. Just it's just the way this is going to work, right? The original modern masters had the five Kamigawa dragons, one of which was worth more than ten dollars. We had Comet Storm. You you know I don't remember what Eternal Masters had, but that had garbage as well. So like that's what's going to happen in these is you you can't have the entire set full of valuable cards, which is why like I'm not saying that they can't print send triplets, but like they can't make every mythic even ten dollars, right? Some of them are just going to be mediocre, especially when you've got. Jace, whose price I know, whose price I know is going to skyrocket because they know they're unbanning it, and Imperial Recruiter, which comes with a hundred fifty dollars price tag right now. I don't know. I don't have a problem with cheap mythics because that's only you only get like five or six mythics in generally that are worth a good chunk of change, anyways. And then depending on the set is where the rare value comes in from. Modern Masters had really good rare value. Modern Masters like two or two ish or three, the rare value wasn't as good. So that's another thing they consider but you my point is you shouldn't be angry about prosh at mythic or even gisela or like seven of them because that's exactly what they do and you shouldn't be surprised by that the problem i have with gisela is that it's her third reprint already they could have done another garbage mythic that hasn't been reprinted yet that does need a reprint that's cheap already well and i'm sure they tested it in draft but they're using up some of their reprint equity there where it could be something that hasn't been reprinted yet that isn't expensive i mean obviously we're going to sell infinite copies of gisela because it's a casual flashy angel but it's something that we didn't necessarily need a reprint of right away. Well, if you're talking about using up the reprint equity, they'd be using up the reprint equity if they printed that unreprinted card, right? Uh, oh, yeah. doesn't you know use your equity. That's, that's actually a good point, Travis. You're completely right there. I, I messed um, that up a little bit. And and I agree with you. Like it didn't have to be Prosh, and it didn't it didn't have to be Gisela. 
uh, I wouldn't care if they printed something else in that slot. I, I'm speaking more to the value range because Centrips is like 15 bucks, right? Well, that's not a $0 card. So that the difference between Centriplets and Gisela, you know, is that price. Right. Good point. Sorry. I have customers calling me. I, when I say I'm not available at these times and then they call me anyway, it, it's a rough life guys. Just do their people. Off, it's fine. I, I can't. That's the problem. You can't um, take the battery out. Yeah, no. Uh, Ed, what do you think about the lesser spoiled cards that we've seen so far? Well, hold on before we continue. I just want to say one more no, thing. Jim, about you don't Ross. get a word in. No, no I get a word in. <laughs> so, uh, last week we talked about the commander's anthology stuff and like what could be in there. Having Prosh in this leads me to believe that they're probably not going to reprint the Prosh deck, which is, I believe, the one that has Primal Vigor in it. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's the one that doubles the tokens. So, like, if you were looking for singles, especially from the Prosh deck, uh, you may want to consider purchasing them now because I don't, or at the end of the spoiler season, rather, you could still they could still be in the set. Like, they could still put Primal Vigor in the set. But if you were waiting for Commander Anthologies to possibly get some stuff from Prosh, the, or the project, I should say. Um, this is a this is a sign that it's probably not going to be one of the ones they choose to reprint. That would make a lot of sense. Okay, Ed. Uh, I I think not specifically talking about Giselle in general, but I think the idea that there has to be a balance between valuable mythics and obviously less valuable mythics is something that seems to be lost on a lot of people. So. You can't have cards, like Travis basically said, you can't have both cards be high and the set and, and the set be low. I think that was something to affect what you said. I'm probably butchering your exact quote. But if if every card is valuable, if like let's say every card is, you know, it doesn't have to be Jace level, obviously, but every card is like chalice level, right? Every card is $50 plus. There's quite literally no incentive for us as a store to ever sell anyone a box ever right if we're guaranteed two like 2.4 mythics out of box that's like that's anywhere from 100 to 150 dollars just in mythics alone out of the box why would we ever sell it to you for anywhere close to reasonable price right at that point we would just be charging 200 a box in order for its minimum in order for for it to be worthwhile and that's not counting you know the rares uncommons etc etc that we get out of it and obviously, people will be up in arms, and people will just call that price gouging. On the flip side, if your cards are too cheap, and that seems to be what people are, you know, if that's what people want, right, then your box becomes worthless. And that's exactly what you have with Iconic Masters, right? Like, there, there's nothing worth opening. Like, people don't even want Mana Drain, and Mana Drain is the most expensive card in the set, right? At that point, like, what happens with box prices? They start cratering, right? Now you can buy, I think I saw someone. 120 uh, ship, the guy had, like, a pallet of it. I, that was on one of the groups. That was exactly yep. what I was going to go to. So, um, and then, then that's that's the opposite problem. So there has to be a balance. It sucks to be the person where you only get you can only afford to draft once or twice, and if it costs you like I don't know thirty dollars or forty dollars a draft, and you're opening crap, yes, that sucks. But you, the alternatives are probably much worse. Would you rather have forty dollars a draft and not always get the value, or would you rather spend like sixty dollars a draft because the boxes are so much higher and your store has no incentive to sell them to you, or you know the alternative is all the cards you open are just completely worthless to begin with? And I think that's one of the things that people are missing out on. You can't have cards be valuable, one because if they're going to be reprinted, they're just naturally going to go down over time, 
And if they are valuable, you probably won't have access to them immediately anyways. Man, okay. do you remember when Modern Masters came out and how angry people got about the card prices? Yeah. Like stores were selling packs at like $15 a pack, which was completely reasonable given like the value. And people were so angry that they were getting price gouged. Yeah. People don't remember that the, the, the MSRP of those booster packs was $7, not 10 they, they upped it after that one because they realized that people wanted good cards in there and they would ha you'd have to raise the MSRP in order to make it reasonable enough to sell to the public. And just as an aside, we just got another rare spoiled while we were recording this cast. I believe Living Wish just got spoiled with new art. So keep yeah, that in well, mind. Is yeah. it new art or is it the judge art? That's quote unquote new art because it's accessible for the first time. Oh, dang. I like the judge art. Wait, no, so it is new is art. It, the, it is no, actually it is, new art. Yeah, it is actually new art. So just letting you guys know, for anyone who is listening to this live, we just figured we'd let you know. Uh, that's a really good conversation about uh, Masters 25, guys. I think we covered pretty much all the issues with it and what we think is going to happen to the prices. Ed knows a lot more than I do when it comes to card prices, so don't be shocked if he's right. I was just giving my opinion on Recruiter. Let's get into our credit winner of the week, Jim. Real quick, Jeremy, just as a final point, um, formulate your own opinion. <laughs> what? Formulate your own opinion. No, right? like never. What... <laughs> I must do exactly what Reddit says. We we are here to simply provide our own opinion on this. Um, and it doesn't matter how it is law. Bow it does it... <laughs> All right, Jeremy, can continue to go to but it's important. All That's we're doing is basing off of. Oh my god. <laughs> uh Jeremy. We really didn't miss you when you were gone, by the way. We had a normal <laughs> we had a normal reasonable cast. There were no crappy puns. Yeah, at the end of it at the end of it, Travis was like, that was a good cast. And then we we're all like, Yeah, that was a good cast. It must have oh, been. Oh, I'm back, guys. You're gonna have to Ed's gonna have to give me another uh round of Ebola to get me off the cast again. Uh but yeah, good point, Ed. All right, Jim, credit winner, take it away. All right, so our winner this week is David Moore. Uh, David, I believe, is a longtime listener of the cast because uh, his name looks familiar and I can say it. Uh, so he asks, uh, probably a hot topic on many people's minds is the challenger decks. Do you think this guy, do you think, uh, do you guys think this will drastically affect some of the high end cards or will it create demand after buying a deck and realizing, hey, now I need four of this card and driving up demand? Uh, as an example, Chandra or Hazaret. So, uh, and then he goes on, he's like, if not any other little diamonds in the rough that might come out of these, or, or might come out from not being put in these decks. Um, so I think that I'll, st I'll, I'll start. So the these decks are very intentionally skewed towards putting cards that are about to rotate into them. So all of the expensive cards that are in all of these decks, all of the mythics, are from Kaladesh block, I believe, because that's about to leave. Um, that being said, I don't think that any of these are going to necessarily cause any cards in the decks to go up because you can just buy more of the same deck if you need them. Like the deck costs thirty dollars. Chandra and Hazaret are not going to be like the, the minimum that they can be is 15 each if literally the rest of the deck is not worth anything so the cards can't possibly go up in value unless there's just not enough of these printed um but there's definitely like cards that might go up more because people want them 
that go into these decks that are not included from the most recent sets. So I think um, this weekend, the what is the name of the Phoenix? Rekindling Phoenix, I think is the name of it. Oh dear God, that is such an expensive card now. Yeah, that guy is like super expensive because it was doing really well on camera all weekend. But if you have a bunch of people buying this mono red deck and they don't have enough, you know, that's a that's a card that that deck is playing now. Um, that's definitely a kind of card that can go up in price. Um, if I had to choose one, that would probably be the most likely to go up. But then again, they're already like $30 each. So I don't know how much people are going to actually want to buy them at that price. All right. I guess, I guess Jim's brain ran out of things there. Ed, what do you think about the challenger decks? Um, I, I think one important thing to note that hasn't really been uh, talked about is that when we order these challenger decks, we can't choose to order only one deck. It comes in a very similar package to how commander decks come, is that you're getting a set of four or a set of five, depending on which commander you're. So here, in the case of commander, one unit, as it were, will have one of each deck in it. That being said, depending on how you break down the value, obviously the decks don't have the same value. And I feel like you're going to have kind of this imbalance, very similar to commander decks, where, you know, everyone wants the dragon deck. Everyone wants a vampire deck. No one wants a wizard's deck. No one wants a cat deck. Um, right? Every fair, it was a pretty powerful deck in the beginning. Was it? It was you a pretty powerful deck. No, no, don't, don't. He made a bad cat pawn, and you, you enabled oh, I, him. Oh, I didn't even hear what he Jim said. is pretty furious at that pun. Ed, continue. Oh my god. Um, right, that was it's, so it's awful. It, what is happening here? What? Why? Why is this happening? Why can't we have normal people who do podcasts? Um. Anyways, you're gonna have the same situation as like Commander, like every year in Commander, right? Like it started with Mind Seas. It's happened with um. Uh. Good God, I can't even think of it. Atraxa, right? Like we see every year, right? If red is going to be kind of, if the model red deck is going to be the sought after deck, we're gonna have situations where either stores will be forced to charge more for these red commander decks, or there's actually gonna be a shortage because we have no incentive to order more challenger decks if three of the four decks are still staying on the shelf, for example, which kind of creates an interesting dynamic. So it makes me a little wary how much these cards will actually tank. Um, usually quarter one is kind of the beginning of decline for the most standard cards that will rotate, uh, mainly because people are starting to think the lifeline of these cards is not long, right? Like the boat on Heart of Kieran has sailed long ago. Now you start looking at things like how much life does like Torrential Gear Hulk have left? How much life does like Chandra have left? And you know, people start having the conversation, okay, I don't need these cards anymore. It's probably time I get out of them if I only have relatively few standard events left and if you're given the option oh i can buy a standard deck for 30 dollars, that probably causes people to sell these cards faster so you have kind of a weird balance right like there's more supply being injected in the market which suggests that um that you know more supply card the card prices go down that being said if people are kind of already expecting that and people you know, like the like the Mall Red deck, it's fine. But there's one Hazard, there's one Chandra. It's not ready to play out of the box. For a beginner player, sure. But if you're trying to be competitive in your FNM, you probably need to drop like another 150 or so, 100 to 150 to kind of bring it up to speed to get more Chandras. Uh, 
More Hazrets. More Hazrets. I think it only comes with two Glorybringers. Like, there, there's definitely some improvement to be had. Um, so if people are looking to do that, there might be some reason for people to kind of be buying back into standard if it's going to be perceived as cheaper later down the line where we're looking at, like, you know, May, June, when a lot of these cards are basically all but rotated at that point. Travis? Whatever. He has no clue because he's playing games probably. No, I'm looking at pick cards for pick of the week. I mean, you guys have way more. The challenger decks are going to hit the uh, vendor types, vendor type market way more than a normal player like you or I. Uh, <clears throat> you shouldn't have had any standard cards with any value that you were worried about selling at this point in time. It was already, we're already past the point where you should have been selling your stuff that was rotating. Um. I know Cliff and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Like you need to start thinking about doing that. It used to be, you used to be able to wait and pull that trigger in like May, not anymore. You got to do February, March and the challenger decks just kind of speed that up. Uh, it's also been a terrible standard environment for specking on cards in general. So you really shouldn't have had a large portfolio of cards like that. So I don't think this is really going to do a lot since all the value is concentrated in cards that are leaving. It doesn't really, doesn't really change anything. Right. Uh, in terms of like standard prices, it just kind of, pulls those back a little bit faster, but it's not going to prop up other prices either. Um, adds more copies of those cards to the market. If you had a, if you had a long-term spec, like if you thought you were going to scoop up uh heart at the end of standard for two bucks a piece, cause you thought they were going to be good in modern. This makes that slightly worse. But other than that, this shouldn't really affect you if you are just a normal everyday player. I'm going to lead off or end with on this discussion that I love uh, these challenger decks. I was already planning on picking up copies of Chandra at rotation and Hazard. The fact that there's going to be more copies out there means that there's now a lower floor. Uh, that means it'll take maybe a little longer for it to recover, but that makes it a much safer investment at rotation. Uh, so this means if Chandra was originally going to fall down to $15 due to her play in Modern and Legacy, now she might fall down to 10 to 12. And that's a much more attractive investment point for a lot of people. And they can they can stomach, when she goes back up, they can stomach paying 15 or 20 instead of 20 to 25. And the cheaper a card is, the more of them you're going to sell, as long as it's not like a card under $5. So it, it, you know, the cheaper these cards get, especially at rotation, the more money and the easier and less of our bankroll it's going to be to sell these cards, which is why reprints are so good. Um, now, if you're someone who listens to this cast and you have side income just selling out of shelves or like grinding collections, this may not be the best for you. But uh, like Travis said, you should have already been looking towards rotation. We've touched on this topic plenty of times throughout our years uh, on this cast. So I think we covered that topic really well. Jim, how can people win credit next week? Well, Jeremy, I'm glad you asked. It's the same every week. It is uh, you because need to... we still have people tweet at us and say, "How can I win credit?" You know what? At week. some point, at some point, I think natural selection should just take over, and then they should just not win. Uh, but Ouch. if you're still, if you're a new listener and you're wondering how to win, you need to post a comment on the Gathering Magic page that goes up on Tuesday after this cast is over. And uh, leave us a question, and then I pick out one at random, and then if you're awesome enough to get your question chosen, uh, you will need to send me a message on Twitter or Facebook, 
or email us at cartelaristocrats at gmail.com, and then I will get you your $25 gift certificate for coolstuffinc.com. And they're pretty cool people in person. Got to hang out with them at uh, Memphis. It was fun. Picked up a Mox Emerald. They have some fun casual buy prices. So that's not even the sponsored part. It's called taking advantage of their buy price when uh, it's like literally higher than TCG low. And then you get a sweet trade and bonus and then you pick up a Mox Emerald. Um, do we want to cover another topic because we've already been talking for like 40 minutes or do we want to move into pick of the week and close it out? More topics. More topics. Okay, what else is there to talk about? Hmm. Masters 25, Modern Unbannings, and Dominaria? Anything about that? Actually, there is something to talk about here. So noted Vorthos expert and uh, guest on this cast, Mike Linneman, uh, put together a pretty good argument why he thinks that foil bird commanders are going to go up in the future. Um, I highly recommend looking at that Twitter thread. Uh, he basically put together a re- all these reasons and all these clues on why he thinks birds will be returning in the future. Uh, he did the same thing with Emrakul the Promised End before Eldrick Moon was spoiled. Um, and so he he actually tweeted at us with like a list of reasons why Kangi might go up, foil Kangis might go up, and all the foil bird commanders might go up because we might see a return for birds. Another pick, or just Dominaria related that I'm sort of interested in, we get slivers again, and I know there's a lot of people that are talking about this card. Sliver Queen might spike even higher. Uh, we've only seen one previous actual spike, and there's real demand for this card. In fact, Sliver Legion is more expensive than Sliver Queen right now, which is insane. Um, it, obviously, it's a, it's a supply issue, but if we get Slivers again in Dominaria and you see a Sliver Queen in people's binders, that's something you should be targeting because it could easily go up to $50 from its current price point of 30 to 35 Sliver Queen is like... I have like a hate hate relationship with that card. It's not the best five color sliver anymore, and I don't think it has been for quite some time. And I'm pretty like I, I think at some point in time it's just not worth a lot of casual players to buy it. And I think that's why it's not going up. Like even if you get more slivers, it might see a little bit of an uptick, but I'm not like sold that it's going to become a a fifty dollar card. Okay. It's just something where Mike put together a reason why we might see these birds spike because we might see birds again. And then if we get slivers again, I think Silver Queen goes up because people want to build more sliver decks. And I think it also depends on if they go with the human-like slivers from M15 or the actual looking slivers from older and Magic's time. Uh, so we'll see. People buying Sliver Queen for their sliver decks don't care that it's not a good sliver. Yeah, they just want it as a commander. Sometimes they play it instead of Overlord. Uh, I've What's seen the one from M15, the one that gives all your guys indestructible? The Hive Lord? What? Yeah, I have not seen that one as a commander that much. Really? That gives you all your guys indestructible. Is that one legendary? Yeah. Uh, I, I only ever see Sliver Overlord or Sliver Queen. I feel like this is a, another issue where people just don't know the card exists. Yeah. I mean, I remember everyone calling that two years ago at like $4 and then it went up to $9 and we all patted ourselves on the back and called each other geniuses. So I mean, I, that, like cards, like people not knowing that cards is this thing, I feel like is a, a pretty big issue. Um, yeah. I was talking to a friend today at, at uh, lunch and he was like, oh man, I'm so excited about this new Niv-Mizzet because it has a sweet watermark on it and whatever. And it's like the most cool one that's going to exist. And like, I had to tell him that there was a full art 
foil promo that he just didn't know existed because it's like really rare and uh, obscure knowledge, I guess. But I feel like there's a lot of cards that people just don't know exist and that makes them uh, not go up in price. Like, I feel like you have to have like somebody write an article about it and bring everyone's attention. Well, so first of all, Jeremy, I do that every day. Uh, calling Hive Lord had no impact, impact on it. Um, and, you know, D Jim, that's that's kind of a fair point as somebody with a ton of uh, Martin. Martin, what's his name? Martin what? Stromgold. Martin Stromgolds. I definitely lament the fact that not more people know about that card because it would be worth a lot more if they knew what it did. But at the same time, uh, I can understand why Wizards would actively not want to tell people, like, to make all that information super available. Um, and this is obvious when you use Gatherer, for instance, and realize that, like, half the printings of cards aren't on there, which is whatever. But part of the appeal of the, like, collectible card game type of thing that is having this sort of deep institutional knowledge that, like, the more you invest yourself in the game, the more you get to discover and explore and learn these little things. Like it's not just all laid out for you right at the start when you pick up your first deck and you just see everything that exists and you know all of it and that's it. You know, you get to explore these nuggets and oh, find these cool cards and discover this art exists. So I can see why Wizards isn't in a rush to like bury players with this information. It gives you room to explore. Good point. Anything anyone else wants to add? All right, let's move into pick of the week. And as always, Ed is maybe not prepared. Ed, what do you have for us this week? Search for Ascanta. Um, oh, I think it. I I came up with that not too long ago. I think given the nature of standard, it's week one. This is really the um, the new standard that we've seen since um, uh, post ban with uh, Rogue Refiner, Attune with Aether. Uh, Rampaging Frost on Ramunac Ruins. It feels like such a long time ago. But we've kind of been caught up in modern uh, lately, so this was really the first chance that we've seen competitive standard with uh, under the new changes. Um, week one, aggressive decks do well. Right? Um, people haven't really figured out how to properly configure the right answers for their control decks. Uh, like Blue Black is no secret. Like These decks... like. Are long that can play long grinding games do well, but as the format slowly evolves, people want to go over the top. Like we have kind of a mid range deck that does well. Next week, what improvements can we make to this mid range deck that just goes a little bit slower, a little bit bigger than this current iteration? And eventually, there's going to be a point where the control decks they just have all the right answers. That's just kind of the natural evolution of a format. Yeah, they'll definitely um, have things under control. Continue. Um, if you look on TCG player, uh, I, I, I was just looking at this when I was pricing cards earlier. Um, there are 124 separate listings for search for Kanta and only a hundred and, and rather not only, but compare that to 115 for carnage tyrant. Same set. One is a rare one is a mythic, but, um, obviously search for Kanta is a much better card as he's play in modern as he's playing legacy probably not far away from seeing play in vintage like it's, Does it's not actually, right now but people are testing it right it's it's actually that good of a card like this card will never be a four of due to its legendary nature but it's one of those cards where 
if we do see blue black control being like the best as I can standard at some point, or uh, Jace takes off in modern and we have search for Scanta being kind of the engine that fuels that there's a lot of if scenarios that are very, very plausible that could easily uh, make search for kind of quite expensive. And if you kind of put that uh, number in comparison, if you look at like Hotly, which is another mythic from Ixlon, there's 301 listings. There's just that much more demand for search than um, than some of these other cards. And even like Vastus Contempt, which was my pick from a few weeks ago, we saw how good it was this past weekend in Memphis. There's just too many evasive threats, the Scarab God, Rekindling Phoenix, that you want to be able to deal with unconditionally, unconditionally at instant speed. That just makes it super appealing. So I think together, Search and Vraska's Contempt, I think that's going to be the core probably for like some of the better decks in Standard. You're probably you're playing one or the other, maybe both. Um, I think that's going to kind of play out for the remainder of this current Standard. Unless Dominaria really shakes things up, but I doubt it will. Jim? So uh, a card that I don't think gets enough attention, but I follow a lot of personalities on Twitter and they come to the same consensus that uh, Hadana's Climb is probably one of the best flip cards out of the new set. It's basically like a dollar uh, on TCG Player right now, and it's played as a three or four of in a deck that can beat the blue-black control deck pretty handily. Um, I'm not sure that this is necessarily going to become the de facto best deck, but the Sultai deck won this weekend, and it has seen literally zero... Um, movement. So, I don't know. Or maybe didn't win. Sorry, I lied a second. Or at least that's what uh, MTG Goldfish says. It might not be right. Anyway, um, it's a very important part of the Sultai Constrictor decks that people are playing. Uh, I think it'll get more popular over time, and I think this is the kind of card that will have um, the potential to spike pretty hard. Um, it doesn't rotate, so you have a long time to, to hold on to it. And I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this is the kind of card that people won't know about it, and then all of a sudden it'll do like uh, a whole team will be playing it one weekend at a, a Grand Prix, and then it'll be, you know, five to eight dollars pretty easily. Travis, uh, I guess that yeah, I guess that means my turn. Um, I there's not too much I'm really excited about at the moment. Uh, I guess one thing I saw poking around was. Um, Tree of Perdition, the mythic from Eldritch Moon. It is the reverse of Tree of Life. It's a 0-13 that you tap to exchange an opponent's life total with Tree of Perdition. So like in Commander, if they're at 40, you swap it and you have a 0-40 and they have 13 life. Uh, but there's actually only about 30-ish foil copies left on TCG right now, like 650, and that's not that many vendors. Um, I would imagine supply is relatively low on this guy. Reprint risk is going to be really low. Uh, Non-foils are like five bucks. So the gap between foil and non-foil is still pretty tight. Uh, so I can see that foil price kind of bumping up over time. It would just be kind of a long hole, just a, an incidental, oh, look what I ended up having worth money. Um, but overall, there's just not a lot that I'm really excited about right now. Uh, so there you go. Classic Travis. My pick of the week is Time Warp from Explorers of Ixalan. This is a card that we can't keep in stock anywhere online or in shop. 
people see this, they go, wait, it got reprinted in something with the stamp on it and it's how cheap and it's no longer $20. And they go, okay, I'll buy it. Uh, we have a super aggressive buy list on this right now. And as soon as I get them in the shop, they just walk out. Obviously anecdotal evidence, but they're also selling well online. So I think there's something there where players are finding out this car got a cheap reprint and then they're just buying it right away. Well, this also because there's a lot of streamers that have been playing the YT, yeah, yeah the, the taking turns deck, and that's like a non-negotiable piece of that deck. Correct. And normally I would agree with you, but based off online sales and physical sales, we're selling them one at a time and not like four at a time. So it's casual players that are looking at this card in my <laughs> anecdotal evidence. Time warp effects have always been very good, and time warp itself is one of the best that's not 900 to 12 thousand dollars so uh thousand dollars i don't know an alpha copy gem alpha mm. time walk probably pretty good okay dan bach yeah so i, I i'm just it's it, it's been popular for a long time like this the tar- taking turns deck certainly helps that but uh it's you know it's been a casual fodder forever okay and where can people find us as we wrap up another episode uh at edwin 13 on twitter uh i'll try and answer questions i don't really want to answer questions from last week on gathering magic because it always seems like we choose he's one lazy of them and, he's and lazy I, he gave up and if i and if i answer all of them then we don't have a question so my hands are tied um you guys will probably see me next i might be going to scg worcester this weekend that's still up in the air i don't have a legacy deck boo wait you're going to play magic uh, I mean, I do play Magic. I I draft every week at the store. It's fine. You should play. I don't know. Magic's fine occasionally in small doses. Can we talk about the Dan Ward one GP Toronto? No, and, and didn't even talk about that. Deck. Like, congratulations to Dan Ward, but fuck his deck. That's our one F bomb, folks. Jim, where can people find you? You can find me in whatever in corner. The salt mines. Yeah, in the salt mines, just chipping away at slippery boggles until I die. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore, and you can find me on Gathering Magic every other week. I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I write every Monday over on MTG Price. You can also see me on the MTG Fast Finance podcast. But you can't see him because it's not video. But you, you can, can hear if him. you open the SoundCloud page and you look at the picture. You can see my name. Um, I'm Jeremy. You can find me on Twitter at Missouri MTG. Um, I'll be at a bunch of Grand Prix next month. I am finally getting two weeks off in a row, which is awesome. Uh, we have a legacy charity tournament coming up next Saturday. Doug of Brainstorm Brewery will be in attendance working for me and vending. We will have multiple vendors. If you want to help support uh, countering cancer and helping out and you like playing legacy, you should come down to the great city of St. Louis and can tell you exactly how much fun it is. Um, thanks for listening to this cast guys. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on gatheringmagic.com, And I think we're on MTG cast as well, because that keeps popping up on my feed for some reason. We really appreciate you guys listening to us. We are coming up on episode 100 this year. So we should probably do something for that. Uh, it's actually going to coincide around GP Vegas would be my guess. So got to talk to the guys and see what's up with that. Cause I know none of us really want to endure what happened last year. 
Uh, thanks for listening, guys. As always, we will see you next week, hopefully with all of us and more horrible puns. And have a good one. Bye.